My name is Joe Lopez. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from past sexual abuse, anger, and self-esteem issues. Uh, this manifested itself. <laughs> this manifested itself by way of sexual addiction and uh, pornography. I grew up in, uh, as the only child in a small blue collar household in Oak Cliff. Both of my parents worked, uh, so this meant I spent many a days at my aunt's home after school during kindergarten. And I remember arriving at my aunt's house one day, as we normally did, and noticed an older cousin who just returned from boot camp, and he was still in his army issued fatigues. Uh, I would rather forget that day uh, that he returned as my innocence and my spirit would be shattered. told you I was going to cry. I'd rather forget that day uh, that he returned. Uh, I was too young to understand all the events that took place, too scared to cry for help, and too broken to tell anyone about my confusion and my pain. As I grew into my adolescence and teen years, I was exposed to pornography. I believe this heightened my senses that were already flawed. And by the age of 13, I had my first sexual encounter. And as I grew into adulthood, I had no direction, no vision, no purpose. Uh, I started and stopped college so much that I wound up enrolling every semester into five of the seven junior colleges Dallas has to offer. That's a true story. By the age of 25, I had a daughter out of wedlock and out of despair and uh, just plain hopelessness, I solicit, uh, solicited an undercover officer posing as a prostitute. <clears throat> I remember sitting in the county jail asking myself over and over again, how did I get here? I was living in sin, often isolating myself from others and making no commitments to relationships that related to the opposite sex. I was far removed from any church or anything to do with the church but I needed to change my life in a drastic way. And I longed <clears throat> for a better future. Uh, my soul was hurting. Depression began to set in. And my reality was not giving me the best of hope. And Zechariah 10.7 puts it very simple. So my people are wondering, like lost sheep, they are attacked because they have no shepherd. Uh, my life was in shambles. I had no plan to make it better. But in August of 1989, a tall, skinny Puerto Rican kid named Danny Rodriguez befriended me, and he led me to the Lord. The day I gave my life to Christ, God knew I needed to be in the presence of a preacher that made about 20 altar calls that night. My life had no purpose. I was lonely, though I was surrounded by many people. I wanted to end my life at 25. I felt like a failure. The night I heard the gospel, I heard of a God who sent his only son to die for me. And I couldn't fathom that someone would die a brutal death for me. I kept hearing that God knew me and that he longed to have a personal relationship with me. 
as I stood there listening about a loving father and that the only way to accept or to get to him was to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Tears rolled down my cheek and I prayed this silent prayer in my head. I said, God, if you are who this preacher says that you are, I just need a little help getting down to the altar. And as soon as I completed that prayer in my head, Danny grabbed my hand and he walked me down to the altar. And at that moment, I just felt alive and knew. And as 2 Corinthians 5.17 states, therefore, anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Danny's time on earth was cut short, but he would later be considered one of the pioneers of Christian rap. It also turns out that Danny had this real cute young sister named Jeannie, <clears throat> who later became my wife. Circumstances would have it that <clears throat> Danny and I became estranged and we went our separate ways. Several months prior to Danny passing away, he called to tell me that he had written a song about me on his second album, and it was entitled, Come Back Home. See, I'd come to know the Lord, but I walked away from him due to my pride, my self-righteousness, my judgmental spirit, and narcissistic behavior, all draped under a convenient label called hurt. <clears throat> I find myself encountering religion and not relationship. And because of this, I find myself going back to the world and running far from God as I possibly could. Then I received, that, <clears throat> I received that dreaded phone call that would change my life again. Jeannie called me in a frantic state that her brother had been fatally shot by an unknown assailant during an attempted carjacking. Uh, looking back, Danny's death brought me back home to Christ, so his prayer and song became a reality. After Danny's death, Jeannie and I eventually married. Uh, we now have three adult children and two precious granddaughters, and we just recently celebrated our 27 years of marriage. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, I had an anger issue that carried into my marriage uh, due to my past sexual abuse. I thought the best thing that I could do for my marriage was to bury my anger as far as I could deep in my soul. <clears throat> Looking back over the years, there were certain triggers that prompted me into a, a dark world I thought I had buried deep within me. I moved into viewing pornography and later uh, turned into soliciting escorts. It started out very minimal, and at times, years would go by where I had stuffed the addiction away, so I thought. Then I would counter another trigger, and the cycle would repeat itself. It seems that every trigger, the addiction grew. And like with anything that you feed, it's always going to grow. I grew weary. I grew tired of the same cycle of regret. Every time I came in, uh, gave in to the sin, um, there was a time where I felt my family would be better off without me. Uh, but thankfully, uh, I didn't go through with a attempting suicide. I found, my, found myself physically present but emotionally disengaged in areas of my life. Then in February 2015, everything fell apart. The husband, the father, who I claimed to be, the one who vowed to protect his family, 
single-handedly destroy that infrastructure. I'll never forget the hurt on my wife's face as she questioned me about the images on my phone. My marriage of 24 years at the time flashed before me. The day we said our vows, the birth of our children, our first apartment together as husband and wife, the one person that stood in my, in, for my every victory and every heartache, it was the only person I, I know that would give her last dollar in spite of herself. I stood there in guilt, shame, and yet somewhat angry at God. Appropriately, I found my new living quarters on the couch for several months. As I laid there, I came across this verse. It said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, he may lift you up in due time. It's found in 1 Peter 5, verse 6. My hope came in Christ, healing through Watermark's MEND program. Uh, it's M-E-N-D. Um, it's a program for men who have been victims of sexual abuse. Uh, I began on a journey, journey angry at myself, angry at the relative that sexually abused me, and quite honestly, I was angry at God. I blamed others, and I felt that this current situation I found myself in was not my fault. The MEND program eventually helped me to understand that the abuse was not my fault, but the actions that I took as an adult to justify my abuse was my responsibility, and I needed to own it no matter the outcome. And then as scripture tells us in 1 Peter 1, 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. As I read that, I felt convicted. So I had to reread it several times, thinking that there was a missing noun, missing verb, possibly a typo. Uh, <laughs> but it read the same way that I read it the first time. Uh, at this point, I realized I was still trying to justify my sin. My heart, soul, and mind were not aligned with the Heavenly Father. If I was to make any progress, I needed to trust God. I'd already blamed him for allowing this abuse to happen. But then I read Isaiah 41.10. It just leaped out at me, and it said, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I completed the men program and unloaded decades of anger. My trust in God was about 75%, but not a full 100% yet. I needed to push to finally get to 100%. I then decided that regeneration was my next step in the process. At this point, I was still focused on my consequences of my actions. My prayer was, God, how are you going to fix this situation? How are you going to pull me out of this mess and repair my marriage. I was, see, I was more worried about the consequences versus wanting to honor God. I walked in the groundwork thinking this will fix my situation because it has to. And I finally made the cut for a closed group after a long, grueling six months. Um, I was still waiting on God to fix this mess I created. Again, focusing on the consequences and not a personal relationship with Christ. And I, as I entered my closed group, I began to see that I was powerless over my addiction, brokenness, and sinful patterns. It's a harsh reality to see that in my own power, my life is unmanageable. 
And once I bought into step one, I was all in. Romans 7, 18 says, For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. See, if we did have that ability, none of us would be here tonight. And for the longest time, I bought into a lie that because I was sexually abused by a male cousin, that I thought I had to prove my masculinity by being promiscuous with other women. Today, that lies behind me. Psalms 103, 1 through 5 puts it the best. Bless, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget all the... And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Week after week, I'd find nuggets of God's truth in scripture. I locked arms with men I bonded with that I encountered on my journey from the men program and my brothers in Regen, uh, my clothes group. We laughed and cried together. All right, mostly I cried. <laughs> um, we prayed and encouraged each other every step of the way. Uh, every week as I walked through the steps, I focused on these three aspects. It was patience, be patient with myself. Most of all, be patient with my wife as we walked this out together. Humbleness, be humble at all times and and bite your tongue if you need to. I was not planning on giving my wife another reason to leave me. And lastly, seek counsel whenever possible. If I held on to those aspects of my recovery and sought the Lord in every facet of my life, that God's promises, that God promises in Ezekiel 36, 24 through 28, That would be my reality. And here's what it says. Um, For here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you out of these countries, gather you from all over, and bring you back to your own land. I'll pour pure water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God's willed and not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. You'll once again live in the land I gave your ancestors. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. Walking through each step, I reminded myself that trusting God's will versus my own selfish will would need to be evident. So I took the leap of faith and I made 1 Peter 5, 6 my personal prayer. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, into God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Step nine, admit, would prove to be the hardest step for me. As I felt the anxiety coming on, I reached out to my group for prayer and to my mentor for one-on-one encouragement. Finally, step nine came, and I couldn't do it. I think I was the only guy that created a step 20 in Regen. I spoke to my close group leaders, and they gave me some great biblical counsel. I prayed and I prayed about how to handle this delicate step. 
Before I knew it, we had moved on to step 11, and commencement was around the corner. I was still avoiding step 9 like the plague, but I knew in my heart that I could not complete this program without completing amends with my wife. I was moving to step 12, and my wife and I decided to make a visit to our favorite Mexican restaurant. And we got to discussing regen and the progress she was noticing in me and how our children uh, were taking notice of my progress. It was a great feeling knowing that the people that you once hurt are noticing changes. And then as our meal was served, my wife asked me, hey, what step are you on? Um, Of course, I'm all happy-go-lucky and responded, moving to step 12 like a champ. And we all heard that phrase, what comes up, got to come down. After my confident attaboy moving on to the step 12 answer, Jeannie humbly asked, really, so you finished step nine? As I moved into step 12, step nine kept lingering. Step nine reads, we make direct amends whenever possible, submitting to God, his word, and biblical counsel. The foundation verse reads, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. It's Romans 12, 17 through 18. So I spoke with my region leaders, my mentor, and the ministry director to work through this. God reminded me of my personal prayer, said to remain humble, to be patient, always seek counsel as my redemption comes through Christ. Romans 4, verse 7, just jumped out at me. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. In all my imperfections, I build step nine, to be this huge obstacle. God showed me my sins are forgiven. I serve a merciful and redeeming God. Now it's time to follow, faithfully follow step nine and make amends with my wife. And once I did, I was met with grace and mercy. I've never felt so free in my life. I also needed to find the the courage to make amends with my children. And as much as I wanted to forget my sin, the aftermath still remained. It was painful. One by one, I had a private, tough conversation. Questions were asked that I had, had to answer. I had to allow them to voice their feelings and not disregard their voice. I was able to speak, I was able to ask for forgiveness uh, for the pain I'd caused. And healing has, has been a process in our family, and it's still happening. I'm so thankful for this ministry and my recovery. Today is no longer about the consequences. Now I, f- I fear God more than I do my consequences. It's not easy. My wife and I still struggle with memories that uh, bring a wave of hurt. I can only pray and try and point her back to Christ and his word. We still have some tough discussions regarding her hurt, and I'm still learning how to cope with my wife's pain and to be able to communicate that in a humble posture. 
As men, we tend to take a defensive posture versus the posture of Christ, as described in Ephesians 5, 25 through 26. And it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. This verse today speaks volumes to me. I've learned not to be prideful and arrogant, and that I must be humble at all times and lead my wife. Falling in love with Christ, I can love my wife and sanctify her as Jesus did the church. I do something far from what I did pre-region. I pray for my wife daily. And throughout the day, I tell her I love her for different attributes she brings to our family. Sometimes she tells me, I like you too. (laughs) As I fall in love with God on a daily basis, God uses that love to allow me to fall in love with his daughter, second by second, minute by minute. Over the last three years, God has been restoring our marriage, and if I can be transparent tonight, that refining and restoration process is a little messy at times. We still argue, um, but I don't run and hide. I, I try to meet that head on. But God's word promised me that, <clears throat> that the end result will bring honor and glory to him who has done and is doing a good work in me. And my favorite verse is 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. In this, you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. For those of you that need a visual of God's grace and mercy tonight, Here stands a broken man. Who three years ago almost lost everything because of his sin and addiction. Yet sitting here tonight, some in the front, my son is here and older daughter, my son-in-law. my two granddaughters. This is a glimpse of God's never-ending mercy and grace on my life. Today I've been free from my addiction for three years, seven months, five days, 22 hours, 22 minutes. Praise God. So if tonight is your first night in Regen, welcome. You're not alone in the journey. You're surrounded by imperfect people who serve a perfect God. Three years ago, I was hopeless as my sin was exposed, not knowing where my marriage would land. And today, I'm more concerned with my relationship with God and trusting his will for my marriage. I pray that my life is an example of how redeeming our God is, how if we trust him, He promised to make God's grace and mercy a tangible reality for all of us. 
My name is Joe Lopez. I have a new life in Christ. I'm recovering from past sexual abuse, anger, and self-esteem. Thanks for letting me share.